0: Good morning. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. Thank you all for being here today. Whether you're in person here in our modern space or watching online or joining us from downstairs in our traditional worship, it's good to be in the house of God together worshiping and continuing in our message series uh, called Sweet Emotion. Earlier this year, we did a, a message series on happiness, and that was very well received. And afterwards, we had some folks come up and say, well, this was great, but how do we deal with our emotions that are a little less comfortable than happiness and like anger or fear or guilt, things like that. And so that's what has prompted this series. And so we're talking about emotions in our lives uh, that are kind of uncomfortable for us. And we've read in the Bible that Jesus said that we're supposed to love God with all of our hearts and our minds. And so we have an intellectual relationship to God, but we also have an emotional relationship to God and to other people. And so we wanna honor that. And we have been talking about how our emotions um, are kind of like a lighthouse. They're shining the light on potential pitfalls in our lives so that we can navigate a meaningful life and that we need to pay attention to some of these more uncomfortable emotions uh, that we're feeling. And so uh, we've been talking a little bit about that in this series and we've determined that uh, really emotions ultimately are data. Right? It's information. It's our, it's our brain. It's our body trying to tell us something. And emotions are not directives. They can't make us do anything. But sometimes we'll react quickly to an emotion and we'll do something that we regret later. And so we've talked about how it's important when we encounter uncomfortable emotions to sit with those emotions for a while. Allow ourselves to experience those emotions and try to name the emotion because usually it's, it's harder than we think. A lot of times we think it's, it's love, fear, or anger, but usually it's something beneath that. And so if we experience the emotion, we try to identify what it is, then we can make a decision on how we're going to act. And so that's kind of the premise that we've been operating on. Well, let's shift into today's emotion. And uh, when I was a kid growing up, I used to love going to see my grandparents. And they always lived a few hours away from where we lived. And I, you know, got to know when we were going into town, the landmarks, like we're almost there. I recognize this building and that building. And then we go and, and spend time with the grandparents. And, you know, my grandparents were like, all your grandparents, probably really good grandparents. And they spoil you. You got to eat junk food and watch cartoons and do all kinds of fun stuff, just showered you showered me with love. And so I have lots of good memories of my, of my uh, grandparents. Well, they've been gone uh, for about 20 plus years. Uh, and now where I live uh, is very close to where they lived. And so it's not uncommon for me to be able to drive by their house and look at that house and have all these neat memories and sometimes i 'll go in the neighborhood and park the car and just walk around the neighborhood and think about them and so I did that the other day, and uh, just had all these really good memories come up but it I also felt like this this wave kind of washed over me of just sadness of you know it's bittersweet I had all these memories with them and and at the same time it just it also made me really sad that that one day that they 're not here and they haven 't been able to see you know my my their grandchildren great grandchildren my you know my children growing up, and just all that kind of stuff and so I just kind of walked away from that feeling really sad, which was, it was uncomfortable, but it was okay. Right? Isn't it amazing how like 20 years later, that grief can still come in and affect us? And so our emotion of the day today is grief. And I just want you to be thinking maybe about how grief has affected your life or what grief you might be going through right now. I know in our church family, we've had a lot of people over the past year who've died, and we miss them, and it's been hard, and we're not over that yet. Even though we believe and know that they're with God in heaven, we still don't have them here with us, and so we're wrestling with that. And we've had people in our our church family, our church life, who um, their relatives have passed away, or friends have passed away, right? And so... What is your experience of grief in the past, but also right now? And so we're gonna think about that some today. Um, and in, uh, and uh, grief really ultimately, when you start to think about, well, well, what is grief, right? And so I think grief is just a, it's a, it's a set of emotions that we experience after a significant loss. Now this can be the loss of a job, it can be the loss of a relationship, like after someone breaks up with us, we break up with someone. It could be uh, a loss of, of the lifestyle that we're used to. For example, parents whose children graduate and go away to college, right? There's a, there's a loss in there of having them with you all the time. So that, that manifests into grief. And of course, when someone dies that we love, that brings grief into our lives as well. And, and grief is a whole set of emotions, right? Within grief, there's anger, there's anxiety, there's sadness. Sometimes it's just this numb feeling. And so there are a lot of emotions that are wrapped up into grief. And, and to deal with grief, we go through what's called a mourning process. It's, it's what we do to try to face the fact that we have encountered a loss. We have lost that job, we've lost that relationship, we've lost that person. So the purpose of grief, the purpose of mourning is to help us acclimate to this new reality That something that we really cared about is no longer part of our life and that's hard and it's uncomfortable and we really don't want to deal with those emotions and so usually we kind of stuff them away and so today we're going to talk about some strategies about how to deal with grief and mourning in our lives both from a biblical perspective but also uh, from counselors and psychologists who have studied this, and even uh, doctors who talk about what happens to our bodies physically when we go through a major loss. So from a scriptural standpoint, when we read the Bible, there, there's a lot of grief in the Bible. There are a lot of people who have lost things and they've been upset about that. We see that in the loss of a spouse when Abraham was grieving for his wife Sarah. We've seen it uh, for a sibling when Mary and Martha mourned and grieved for their brother Lazarus. We've seen it with Jesus who lost a friend in the very same Lazarus. And so we see lots of different examples of grieving in Scripture. Uh, and in Scripture, like the, the folks who were following God really tried to give themselves space for grief. In the Bible, there are over 20 words uh, in the Hebrew language that talk about grieving, right? So they, they took that very seriously. And they would take time to set apart when someone died to give themselves time to process this and just to focus on the grief and the loss. Sometimes they'd set aside seven days to grieve. Sometimes they would set aside 30 days just to sit in the grief, and sometimes it was as high as 70 days, right, to give themselves a chance to begin to process this loss. And people in the Bible did all kinds of things to do this. Sometimes they would rip their clothes, uh, sometimes they would cover their head, sometimes uh, they would put ashes on themselves, like, just this, this is how I feel, I'm going to just cover myself in ashes, right? So all these things that we probably think would be a little weird, but it's their way of processing these major losses. They also had things that were similar to the funerals that we have today, right? There was a specific burial place. There was a visitation. There were words spoken about the person who was deceased, right? All these rituals that were going on to help people process the loss of someone who was dead. Uh, And in Scripture, there's also like there's a whole book about grief. It's called Lamentations. It's in the Old Testament, uh, and it's a, it's about uh, the people of Israel who are grieving their relationship to God. They have they've have angered God. They've done wrong things against God, and now they're 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 separated from God, and they're grieving over that. And so, there's a whole book in the Bible about grieving. And then in the book of Psalms, it's the book right in the very middle of the Bible, and it's this, this honesty, this raw honesty from people like you and me who are just praying and talking to God. And some of this raw honesty in the Scriptures is grief. Let's look at one of those today and just see how someone's crying out to God. And, and see if you ever see yourself saying something like this or feeling something like this, that it's okay to, to go to God with this. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord, how long? How long will I feel like this, right? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name. Who praises you from the grave? I am worn out from my groaning. All night I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. You ever done that? Ever felt that way inside? Right? My eyes grow weak with sorrow and they fail because of all my foes. And right? so in, in the Psalm here, it's just the the raw grief and agony and sadness crying out to God. Right? And that's one way we can deal with our grief. That's one way we can go through the mourning processes. We can take that right to God. Right to God, because God understands, and God is there for us, and we're not alone when we're grieving. And so God helps us when we're honest, and we take that right to God. Well, I want to jump to the New Testament now, and uh, we're going we're gonna to meet this, this group that I just mentioned earlier. So uh, there's this uh, brother and two sisters, Mary, Martha, uh, and Lazarus. They're good friends of Jesus. Lazarus has been sick. The sisters have sent for Jesus, and he's not going to make it back in time. And we're going to see why that is in just a minute, but we're going to look at... Grief from the perspective of losing a sibling, but also look at grief from the perspective of the Son of God, God himself. That even Jesus, right, the perfect person, went through grief and hurt like you and I hurt when we lose someone who is special to us. And so let's see what that looks like in the Gospel of John. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick, and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So Jesus does not make it in time. Uh, When he arrives, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So he's been dead for four days. And now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. So like we do today, we go and we visit those who have lost someone uh, to show our concern and care. So when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and she saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. It's kind of like putting a guilt trip on Jesus, right? right? We talked about guilt last week. If you missed that, you can check that out, right? But she's upset. Right? She, she sent for Jesus. Now, you, we know if you get here in time, you can heal Lazarus, right? But you didn't make it, right? And he would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled, right? So Jesus is, is, is troubled and grieved by, by how the death of Lazarus has affected his friends, and also those who have come to care for them. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And then Jesus wept. Jesus, the Son of God, God himself, 100% God but also 100% human, experienced grief. He was sad for Mary and Martha who lost their brother. He was sad for the people who were there who are mourning Lazarus. But I think he was also sad himself because Lazarus was dead and he missed his friend. And so even Jesus knows what it's like to go through grief. So even more, it's a reason for us to be able to go to God when we are in our grief, when we're struggling with a loss, right? Because Jesus understands. He understands it from a godly perspective. He understands it from a human perspective. And so in our grief, we can be like the psalmist and we can take that to God and know that Jesus understands and will be there with us. Let's think a little bit. We're talking a little bit biblically, and we're going to come back to some more of that later in the message as well. But I want to think a little bit about it from a a human psychological perspective. And so um, I consulted uh, a woman named Julia Samuel. Uh, She's a world famous psychologist, and she deals a lot with grief and and things related to that. She's written some books and has podcasts and websites and all that. We'll show you that in just a minute. Uh, We do have a picture of her here. Uh, and so uh, she's very good at what she does, and she talks about how hard it is for us as human beings to deal with grief because it makes us uncomfortable, and because of the sadness and the anger and the numbness and all that can just be overwhelming, and so our default is try to ignore that, right? out of sight, out of mind, if we don't approach these painful feelings, then they're not going to affect our lives. But as we've talked about in this series, it doesn't work that way. We try to push these feelings away. They're going to come out in other ways in our lives and usually blow up in our face. And so she says, we really need to pay attention to the feelings that come to us in grief. But she says, we have such a hard time in dealing with it that that we can't even say it out loud. Like when someone dies, what do we usually say? We don't say that they, they've died. We, we say like a euphemism, right? They passed away, right? Some people might joke and try to make, you know, light of it say, hey, they kicked the bucket or whatever, right? But usually it's like they passed away, right? Well, what does that mean, right? Is it, is it like Tom Brady of football or like quarterback, right, passed away? Did God pass somebody, like What does that mean? And ultimately she just says like we just need to be able to say out loud they died. Even when we talk about death, we, we can't do that because it, just, it hurts us so much. But she says, even in the way that we talk about it is important, right? So don't euphemize it, right? Just say, what happened? They died. Because, again, grief and mourning, right, the purpose is to help us to face the truth that something is gone that used to be with us. A job, a relationship, or someone that we love and care about is no longer with us. And so there's power in being able to just simply... Name that, to name that loss in our lives. And she said, really, it's been hard, uh, especially since World War I with the advent <clears throat> excuse me of medical technology and how it's just gotten better and better all along the way, that, that we, see, we see death as a failure, right? And so we think we can fix everything, we can prolong life, and, and so we don't want to talk about death, we don't want to think about death, but ultimately we know that it's real right? And it, it will come into our lives. And, and she talks about how in Victorian times, like Victorian times in England, how people talked a lot more about death than we do now. And when someone died, they would wear like a black armband, you know, for a long time, just to show that someone is, is dead and that someone's grieving them. They would have the body in the house, right? And, and it would be open, like an open casket, and people would come into the house and And mourn and grieve and all that kind of stuff. And they used to take pictures of the family with the dead corpse. And, you know, like, that was normal. Like, we see that now today. We're like, you're crazy, and how sick is that, right? But it was a way to mourn and to face the reality that someone that they loved is no longer with them, right? And that there was something important to be able to do that, right, to be able to face the grief the uncomfortable emotions, it's important for us to be able to do that, to face that, to name that, to experience that, and to allow these emotions come into our life. Um, But we try to control these emotions as well, even in some of our theories. uh, You might have heard of the Kubler-Ross kind of stages of grief. Uh, There's like supposedly these five stages of grief, and we can show those to you, right? When you have something that's lost, these are the emotions that we're supposed to feel in this order. Uh, First, we deny it, right? Right? Someone gets a diagnosis that they're terminally ill. It's, it's not going to happen, right? It's not going to happen. We get angry about it. We bargain with God. You know, God, if you, if you help them, make sure they don't die, then I'll do anything. I'll go to church and listen to Pastor Kyle every Sunday, right? We, do, we bargain. We try to make a bargain with God. And then we get depressed when we know that, right, the grief is coming, right? The loss is happening. The relationship's ending. The job is ending. The person is dying until ultimately we accept it, right? And so this theory is that it, it's kind of a, a linear process but and these things all are a part of grief but we've come to learn that it doesn't happen that neatly right it, it doesn't happen in this order sometimes you can feel all those emotions in 5 minutes right it could be like this huge roller coaster ride and then on top of that there are all these other emotions right the anxiety the fear the stress the numbness right all of that stuff and so ultimately what i'm trying to say is that grief is not tidy It's not orderly. There's no one way to grieve. There's no one time frame to grieve, right? We're not robots. And so it's going to come at us, right? Two steps forward, two steps back. We'll be fine for a minute. All of a sudden, it's like a a wave comes sideways and knocks us down. We'll, we'll, We'll smell something or hear something or see something, and we just melt and start bawling our eyes out in the grocery store, right? Just because that's how grief operates, right? So there's no one perfect way, no one way to grieve. right? It just comes at us in in different ways. And when we think about what grief does to us in our bodies, uh, that affects us as well. Like when you're grieving, it's not uncommon like to, to feel a shortness of breath or a loss of appetite or you might sleep less than you normally do or you might sleep more than you normally right? It affects our bodies, right? Our bodies are trying to deal with these emotions and it affects our bodies. Within the first six weeks after a major loss, we have a higher risk of having a heart attack than we normally would because our bodies are so stressed trying to deal with grief. The tragedy of the shooting in, in Uvalde, Texas, right? We're all still mourning that and grieving that. And you know right. the, to add to that terrible tragedy of that shooting, I mean, you probably heard by now that you know two of the, the teachers that were killed. One of them, her husband, died of a heart attack just a couple of days later. Right? So it, it's tragic, right? He literally died of a broken heart, right? Our bodies are more open to being hurt in the process of grief because emotional pain and physical pain all use the same transceivers inside of our bodies, right? Emotional pain. Uh, And physical pain all use the same kind of transceivers. And our nervous system is working overtime to deal with this, with our fight, flight, or freeze kind of reaction to that, right? So our bodies are stressed. So it's important in a time of grief to take care of yourself physically, to get outside, to exercise, to walk, to breathe in the sunshine, the warmth, right? To get hugs from other people. We have to take care of our bodies because they're grieving as well, and that puts our health at risk, right? And so the mind and body are very connected. That's how God has wired us. And so when we're going through emotional issues, then we also need to pay attention to how's our body reacting to that and take care of our bodies, right? So that's that's some good stuff. So uh, this the psychologist that we're talking about, uh, it, she also comes up with some, what she calls like pillars of strength in dealing with grief. And I think these are helpful for us. And let's look at what some of these are. Uh, the first is, Right? Things that can help us when we're grieving is relationships with other people. Like the number one thing that we can do is surround ourselves with other people who care about us, who can help us in the grieving process. Relationships are the most important thing in life. We've lost a relationship, so we need other relationships to help us get through that. So we have to rely on other people. We have Jesus and we have the people in our lives, right? We also have to think about the person who died, right? They're dead. Our relationship with them has changed, but we still have memories of them. We're still going to think about them. So, so how do we make time in our lives to, to honor them when we can't be with them in person? What does that look like? Right? Then we have a relationship with ourself. Right? We, a lot of times when we're going through the grieving process, we're going to be very hard on ourselves and say, you know what? You're a big wimp. You should get over this. Suck it up. Right? And we're hard on ourselves. But really, we need to be able to give ourselves time and space and and give ourselves grace, right? Again, there's no one way to grieve. There's no one time frame to grieve in. And if you feel like boo-hooing in the grocery store, that's okay. If you feel angry, you feel rage, that's okay, right? We have to be patient and be kind to ourselves, right? Then we have to figure out ways to express our emotion. Uh, And again, I think the most simple way of saying that is allow yourself to feel the emotion, to sit in the emotion, as uncomfortable as it is. Is it an overwhelming wave of sadness? Is it anger? Is it fear? Is it anxiety? To actually let yourself sit in that and to feel it and to try to name the emotion, right? There's something powerful in naming the emotion. Before we do anything, just experience it. Don't try to shove it away. Experience it. Name it. And, and figure out a way to do that, right? So then we've got to give ourselves some time to deal with this, right? The hard part about when we have a loss and, and grief, like at a funeral, when we're surrounded by all of our friends and family and loved ones, it's awesome and it's great. But the next day, everybody goes back to work and they go back to school and they go back to their lives and we're left with our grief and it's so hard. It's so hard and it's going to take us a long time, right? And they're, and society's going to say, well, you know, it depends on who died, if it's a grandparent or if it's a spouse or, you know, there's different, you know, supposed times you're supposed to get over it a few months to a year or whatever, right? So there's a chronological time, right, that we have. To, that we have. Uh, go to that next slide, Melissa. So chronos, right, these words for time, chronological time, how long does it take us to get over someone's loss, right? Don't let society dictate that. Don't let society dictate that because there's another word for time called kairos. These are Greek words, right, which is, is the time that we actually feel, right? Society might say you should be over it, but we sure don't feel like we're over it, and we don't need to rush that, right? This is the time that we experience in ourselves, right? So the world gets back to normal. They say you should be over it, but if you're not over it, that's okay. Don't rush it. Take that kairos time and allow God to help us grieve, okay? All right, so fifth, right, we talked about mind and body, right? Take care of our bodies when we're grieving, exercise, eat well, get those hugs, get outside and walk, that sort of thing, right? And then to set limits, right? When we're grieving, our bodies are working so hard to deal with the grief that we're doing we're not going to be able to do a lot of stuff outside of that. You guys are probably seeing a picture of the iceberg that looks like this. Like when we're grieving, the world sees only the top layer up there, right? That's what we're dealing with. But in our hearts and our souls, this is what we're processing, right? Emotionally, spiritually, physically, right? And so when we're processing all this stuff inside of us, we can't do everything in the world. And we're going to have to just simply say to people, no, I can't do that, you know? I'd love to volunteer at this, 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 I just can't do it, right? We just have to learn how to say, no, I just need time to grieve, right? We gotta do our basic things, go to work, do whatever we gotta do, but no, I need some time to deal with this grief in my life, right? Uh, then uh, one good thing to do is have structure, I like to maybe make a, a schedule of, hey, I need to exercise 10 minutes today. Uh, I need to be sure to get a shower. I need to eat on time, right? It helps us in grief when we're we're just so out of our element to have kind of a routine and structure. But if we break that, again, be kind to yourself. Don't get upset. Just try again the next day and see what it looks like. And then finally, to focus, right? And by focus, I mean to focus on the grief, to admit that it's happened, to think, hey, someone died. Someone I love is dead. What does that look like? What does that mean from a a spiritual perspective? What does that look in my life, right? Not to shove it down, not to hide it, but to hit it straight on, right? So these are some psychological, physical things that we can do when we're dealing with the uncomfortable emotions that are surrounded by grief. But we're not done. There's better news. Outside of science, outside of medicine, outside of psychology, we also have the hope that our faith gives us. Let's go back to the story of Jesus as he's gone to be with uh, Mary and Martha, Lazarus is dead. And I left out some parts of I'm gonna tell them to you now. When, when they asked Jesus to come, he intentionally didn't come in time so that Lazarus would die. And that sounds so cruel and so harsh, but this is why Jesus did that. Let's read what, what his purpose was, all right? John 11. Now he's talking to Martha, the other sister. She's come out to greet him as well. And Lord Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day, right? At the end of time, God's going to come back and and, and we're going to all have a chance to be resurrected and live forever with God, so... She's like, yeah, I know that time's coming. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and I'm the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God who has come into the world. I believe in that. Jesus, once more deeply moved, Came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance, like a huge quarter. They would roll it sideways and, and cover up the tombs. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there for four days. Right? This, he is dead. I think one translation might say, he stinketh. Right? So Lazarus is dead. Right? Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he would said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, and his hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. This is the good news, brothers and sisters. We grieve and we hurt when someone dies because they are no longer with us. But when we have a relationship with Jesus, when they have a relationship with Jesus, as hard as it is to lose them, it's not the end of the story. As hard as it is to lose them and go through the grief process, it's not the end of the story. Jesus gives us life. Life to the full now and life forever in the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus showed that he could have the power over death by raising Lazarus back. And later we know the story that Jesus himself is killed and he is resurrected. So that you and I and all the people that we love, when we have a relationship with Christ, will know that as hard as grief is, it's not the end of the story. The other side of that is the hope of the resurrection and that we will see these loved ones again and we will live together in the kingdom of God forever. That's the hope and that's the good news. Now, it doesn't mean that the pain's not here. It doesn't mean that we're, we're not gonna miss them and be sad and go through all the stuff that we talked about. That stuff is real. But we also have the hope that death is not the end. When we believe in Jesus, We ask him to be our Lord and Savior. We ask him to forgive us of the wrong things that we do. Then Jesus comes and he offers us this gift of eternal life that helps us in our grief to know that we will see each other again. That's the good news today that we can hope and have this in the way that we process our grief. So what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway as we think about grief? I think it's this. We get through grief by going through grief. Now that's not rocket science is it right that <laughs> we get through grief by going through grief but that is easier said than done right if we're going to get through grief we got to do the work we got to experience the emotions we got to let it come right and we will get through that so a few more things to think about when we think about grief is that ultimately grief's a gift it helps us acknowledge the reality that there's been a loss and we know that God will get us through that Right? And we, and that's a, it's a gift to help us face this reality. Right? There's no right or wrong wrong way to grieve. Right? There's not a right amount of time to grieve. Grief is unpredictable, and mourning helps us face the reality of death and loss. Right? So these are some really good takeaways. Um, So I invite you to do a few things as you think about dealing with grief in your life, right? One, share your grief with Jesus, right? We talked about Jesus understands Jesus is there. Jesus has grieved himself, and so he can help us with that, right? And then very importantly, right, receive the gift of eternal life from Jesus. If you don't yet know Jesus, if you don't yet follow Jesus, to to turn to him and say, Jesus, I want to believe in you. I want to believe that you came back to life. I want, I want to receive that, that promise for me and for, and for the people that I love. I want to share that with them. I want to stop living a life without you, God. I'm sorry for the wrong things that I've done. Please forgive me and come and, and be my Lord and Savior. Help me tap into that resurrection power that you have. Right? That is so powerful. Right? Another thing that you might consider is going to a counselor. If you're struggling with grief, as that's a hard thing for you. Asking for help is, is, is not a sign of weakness. It's not a failure. And if you need some help selecting Christian counselors, Pastor Lindsay and I would love to talk to you about that. You can find us after the service or email or call us during the week. That's an important part of what we do, and we would love to help you do that. Right? We need other people to help us process the grief that we have. Um, Again, the eight pillars of strength, you can take a snapshot of that. It's going to be on our website, Uh, just that whole process of what we're talking about. Uh, And then uh, finally today, I'll just give you some of the resources from Julia Samuel. Uh, She's a psychologist that I've been kind of talking about from a psychological and a medical kind of thing. These are some of her books and websites, and I haven't read them all completely full 100%, so I don't know if I agree with everything she says, but in general, she seems like a pretty nice lady who has a good grip on what grief is we've talked a lot about grief from a biblical perspective from a psychological perspective from a medical perspective but i think ultimately it just comes back down to how are you experiencing grief in your life have you had a a tough loss from a job have you moved somewhere has has some relationship changed maybe your kids are going away to school and you're an empty nester or another relationship similar to that or have you lost someone that you love very dearly maybe it's so recent that it's just incredibly raw or maybe if you're like me 20 years ago I lost my grandparents and it still affects me where I am in my life know that that grief as uncomfortable as it is is a gift to you to help you process that they're gone to remember the good things about them and keep that memory alive and to know with Jesus, even death itself is not the end. So don't hide from the grief, don't run away from it, experience that grief, deal with it, name it, do all these kind of things and know that you're not alone. You can take it to Jesus, you can take it to to those of us in this church who care about you and God will get you through your grief. Right, to go through grief, right, we have to get, to get through grief, we have to go through grief and we're not alone. Jesus walks with us so may God bless you as you grieve in whatever way that looks like and know you are not alone